Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, just tuning in through our online affiliates around the world via podcast. We're glad you all could be with us as well. I'm so excited to welcome back New York Times bestselling author Reese Bowen to our broadcast today. Reese is celebrating a brand new book today called The Paris Assignment. She's one of those authors that not only is able to bring her books to life, but also share, I think, some great uh, historical fiction that all of us can enjoy and get something from. We'll talk to Reese not only about the inspiration for the new book, but also what it's been like for her to see the early response to The Paris Assignment. And, of course, we'll let you know how to get your own copy as well. Reese, Thank you again for stopping by. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you, sir. It's good to talk again. Uh, the pleasure is definitely all mine. It's hard to believe it was around this time, ironically, last year, Reese, when we were discussing where the sky begins. And, and you, once again, have given us a book that is not only enjoyable, but also, I think, you know, gets us involved in these characters and inspired by them. How does it feel now to have the Paris assignment out for the world to enjoy? Um. Well, always, you know, it's like when you send your child off to kindergarten for the first time, you know, you think, oh, I hope everybody will like him. I hope he'll be okay. <laughs> so I think it's exciting that first. Day. You, you know, I've published a lot of books now, but it never right. never stops being exciting, especially when you walk past your book and you, you see it in a bookstore or you see someone sitting reading it on a plane. You know, those those moments are still really thrilling for me and I think for any author. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm delighted to bring it out to the world because I think it has great relevance for now. I was doing an interview yesterday, and the interviewer said, uh, it's interesting how many parallels there are with Ukraine. Hmm. And um, well. it's so true. You know, we're actually, I'm creating history that is being revisited right now. Yeah. And, and I think that is such a great point, Reese. And I think too, when that's the great thing about I think historical fiction, right? Because I think for people, whether they were lovers of history in school or not, or find themselves as adults drawn to history, there's something about books like yours that not only take us back in time to the conflicts that maybe we've heard about, but also reminding us of the people involved. Do you think that's part of your gift as a storyteller to remind us of the people, the lives, the individuals that were a part of? these historical events I think that's really what's really important to me I think in nearly all of the World War II books I've written is to show the heroism and strength of ordinary people I'm not Mm -hmm. writing about you know the people who flew the bomber missions that were really dangerous and heroic these are just ordinary people who probably before the war wouldn't have thought of themselves as courageous or wouldn't have wanted to do anything extraordinary and they're called upon, because it's war, to do things that are way beyond their capabilities. And yet they do them, especially with someone like Madeleine, who becomes, um, who is dropped behind enemy lines in France to be a courier. The girls like that, their survival rate was 25%. So they knew they had 75% chance of not coming back. And yet they did it. And they also knew that if they were captured, what might be waiting for them? You know, torture and worse and death in the end. 
In fact, because of that, uh, they actually had a jacket with one of the buttons contained a, a cyanide capsule, so that if they were captured, they would take the quick way out. Um, and yet, these these the women in my book that you'll find, you know, they're very different from each other. The ones who train together, and yet you describe each of them as ordinary. They yeah. would have led very ordinary lives if there hadn't been a war, and yet they sign up to do this. So that's what's amazing to me. That's what my read I want my readers to get. And I think that is so true, whether we're talking about Madeline or characters that we meet like Annie in, in the new book, Reese, there these are people who are just doing what they believe to be what is right. And it makes you think and makes you wonder, I know it does for myself as I was reading this book, you know, what where would I be? You know, what what would I be thinking? You know, what would I be willing to do? And it's that what if question, I think, in spite of everything that Maddie goes through in the book, and we'll talk around some of that, but dealing with loss, dealing with uncertainty, and then the same for Oliver. Uh, her, you know, her husband dealing with yeah. the uncertainty of, of of what's going on with his family, and you know, being told one thing and not knowing what what's going on. So, I guess, want to ask you, how did the idea for this particular book? How did it come about? Um, well, I think uh, I think the uh, the starting point was uh, in 2019. I rented a house on the Seine in at Fontainebleau, um, and. Um, so there we were on this lovely occasion sitting by the Seine and I'd go into Fontainebleau to do shopping and the castle was, the chateau was there and um, uh, and that incredible forest with the trees and these great giant boulders in it and everything. And I thought, oh, I could just picture the resistance here in, in World mm-hmm. War Two with lots of these good places to hide. Um, and so I started looking into it and I saw when I went into the historical society there in Fontainebleau, I saw that the Germans had taken over the, the, the palace and had used it as their headquarters in that region in the war. And I thought, oh, well, that would be good. The resistance would be nice and close if they wanted to bomb something. So then I, I started thinking about that and, and, and toying with the idea of a young woman becoming uh, a resistance fighter, and I and and sort of madly, Maddie came up. I, it's much easier for me to write someone I know. And, and an interviewer the other day said, "You write about all of these naive young British women," and I thought, "Yeah, that was me. Okay, I can identify with them." <laughs> and, and she said, "Why do you think they were all?" They all had so many, so much guts. Why were they so strong? Because they were, they were raised in these sort of genteel surroundings. And I thought about it. I said, I think it's because they went to boarding school. Boarding school was so horrible that anything after that was it was easy. <laughs> Love yeah. that. Love that. Yeah. So, so with with Madeline or, or Maddie, as Oliver calls her, I think yeah. we're able to see a couple of things. One, her sense of duty and responsibility, uh, Reese, but also yeah. her sense of of wanting to find her place. I think that's the other thing that you do so well in these books is that, yes, we are talking about these conflicts that do encompass us all, but we all know, especially when it comes to women, how they were looked at, um, that, that they were not looked at as, as equals, um, no matter what the time was. What was that like for you to show how she could not only come into her own, something that Oliver recognized, but could have a strength that even she didn't know she had? Yeah, I think um, I think I really enjoy writing in several of these books, having a heroine who 
was not much was expected of her, but suddenly can rise to these occasions because I think I'm championing what really happened in World War II. You know, after yeah. the war, all these books came out about the bravery of men who did this and how they were on this PT boat and how they flew this plane and they were in this battle. And nobody said, hey, what about the bravery of women? And not only those women who just had to stay home and put on a brave face for their children because they were really terrified when they were bombed, but women who actually volunteered and did amazing things. And, of course, as you say, they were not taken as equals to start with, although in places like Bletchley Park, they pretty soon established that they were forces to be reckoned with. But um, as a scene in this book that comes out, when the trainee women are shipped up to Scotland to do some uh, combat training, they arrive and find a group of men has already arrived there. And as they come in, one of the men says, oh, good, help has arrived. Now you can go and make us a cup of tea, dears. And um, they say, no, we are your fellow trainees. (laughs) And... um, the men are completely scathing, and as it happens, during the training, the women do equally equally well, and in some cases better, because when they're sent on an exercise, the women help each other. Like if they have, there's, there's an obstacle course, and the men try and finish it first, the women help each other over the walls and across the streams, and I think that was the strength of women at that time, is that women can bond and have these great friendships, which which helps them through the most difficult times. Right. I think that is such a, a great point. And I think, you know, as we're able to see, uh, especially Madeline as she's dealing with others, um, especially that great scene that you wrote with, I think it's pronounced Solange uh, Reese um, yeah. and, and Portia, yeah. um, kind of talking yeah. about the camaraderie that she was able to form. And, and even in the difficult situations, something I think we see parallel today, right, in the world, even yeah. during wartime, yeah. the camaraderie that's there. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, it's on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome back New York Times bestselling author Reese Bowen to our broadcast. Reese is celebrating her brand new book today. It's called The Paris Assignment. It's available now for you all to get through our friends here at Amazon.com or through your favorite local bookstore. I'm going to remind you of that a little bit later. Let's talk a little bit more, if you don't mind, about Oliver because I love the, the balance that you kind of give these two individuals because yes you see Oliver as the one who would be the one to kind of go off to be able to to do his part um, he does not expect that of, of Madeline but that does not mean that she does not do the same um, th- I love this scene that you wrote I made a note of it for myself to share with our audience here Reese in chapter 36 and there's a conversation between Oliver and and uh, and, and Maddie and 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 what he basically said is that you know she, he's able to realize exactly what she was able to become, and I love this fact um, that that he's able to recognize and see her in a different way. What was it like for you to kind of see their relationship and how through these yeah. difficulties, through tragedy, they got to see each other totally different as well? That's a good point. I must point out, husband is Gilles. The son was Oliver. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, Gilles. Gilles, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gilles, yeah. Gilles is her, yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, at the beginning, when she first meets him, we see him as I would think a bad boy. Um, he says to her, "You better not fall in love with me. I wouldn't advise it." Um, and um, as someone who probably isn't that stable and has got great ideas for the, 
he he's a communist in the purest sense of the word in that he believes that there really should be this utopia of equality and everything so i think he's one of those idealists and um to start with he's he's obviously the director of the relationship and um uh and Maddie sort of follows along adoringly. And I think we think to start with that Mad- Maddie falls madly in love with him. Mm. Um, but uh, we see in the end that he he adores her and he's madly in love with her. And um, uh, and all he wants is to, is to save her, to protect her. And I think he's horrified when he finds she's come back to France. Um, but... Uh, then in those last scenes that it can be a completely equal relationship you know he he's he's worried for her but he admires her which you know it, uh, i think we we see a wonderful scene of true love yeah so it's such a great point and that is such a powerful chapter you know and yeah. and i love the fact too as you you're able to kind of see the two of them and thank you so much for that correction <laughs> So I can make sure that it make it make sense for the audience. Uh, I love it when Maddie is talking to Jill about that and and doing what any parent would want to do, and that is to protect their child. You know, yeah. and knowing yeah. that even when trying to do your best, sometimes you know that you know bad things do happen. And then being able to move on from there, I think that is one of the big things too. Was it easy for you, Reese, to to let these characters go? Oh God, it was awful. Uh, this is probably one of the hardest books I've ever written because mm. I knew that bad things are going to happen to every single one of the characters I love. Yeah. Really, I mean, Maddie comes through in the end because it's her story, but she doesn't come through unscathed. And right. pretty pretty much everyone around her has terrible things happening to them. And I, I knew this had to happen Uh and every time I got closer to it, I thought, oh, God, you know, please no. Can we find a way around this? Can I save them? You know, and, and um, realizing that it's wartime and bad things did happen and you can't gloss over it. So, you know, uh, and you pointed out before about um, her son, Olivier, he starts off with, and then when they move to England, he becomes Oliver. But um, mm-hmm. uh, everything she does, I think, is driven by that, that fierce, protective mother instinct uh she might have been a perfectly ordinary woman just going through life but to to save her son to revenge her son to do everything for her son drives her to these extraordinary lengths yeah such a great such a great point and i think too as the story unfolds and i think the reader will find some surprises as well you know, I think there are some amazing things that we are able to think about the human spirit, and that is one of the big things that I feel like is a theme for you, uh, Reese, and that, yeah, that is yeah. the the resilience of the human spirit, and that gives us hope. Is that hope something that drives you as a storyteller? Um, yeah, I, I yes, uh, I'm very I'm very aware of the human spirit, and um, uh, and also I I'm by nature I think. Um, an optimist, so I would never want to end a story, however tragic, however horrifying. I wouldn't want to end it without hope, and I think the book does end with with hope and does end with some closure, even though mm-hmm. bad things have happened. Um, and I think the reason I, I'm so drawn to World War Two, 
um, is that it's really the last clear time when we had um, an idea of good versus evil. Um, we knew that there was evil coming to try and swallow the world. And if we didn't do our part, every single person, it might succeed. And so I think that's what drives all of the characters in my World War II books is I have to do my bit. And that's, yeah. you know, that's how they looked upon it. And, and if their part meant that they might end up captured or killed, that, that, wasn't, that didn't come into the question. It was the fact that I am called upon to do my part. And I think that's what's so amazing uh, about all these characters I write about is that they, they do this willingly. I mean, they might, they might hesitate and worry that they wouldn't be up to the challenge, but, um, but they don't back down. And I think, you know, I'm glorifying the little people of World War II when I write these books. Yeah. And we are all better off because of it. Again, everyone, New York Times bestselling author Reese Bowen has been our guest. Great conversation with you, Reese, as it always is. Her newest book is a page-turner, as you can tell from this conversation. It's called The Paris Assignment. It's out now. You can definitely get your copy. Reese, I really appreciate you spending some of your pub day with us. How can our audience stay connected with you? Um, well, they can stay connected with me. I'm on Facebook, um, Reese Bowen author. I'm on Twitter. Oh, no, not Twitter. It's X now. <laughs> at Reese Bowen. I'm on ins Instagram, author Reese Bowen. And if you go to my website, you can click on the links to any of these. So ReeseBowen.com, you'll find. And also, that's how you can email me. So I love to hear from my readers, and I love to, I'd love to know whether you like the book or not. So please do get in touch with me. I know they will enjoy it. Reese, again, thank you yeah. again. Really appreciate your time and looking forward to our next conversation together. Good. Thank you so much, Cyrus. It's been fun. You're more than welcome. Thank you. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. I want to thank our friend Anne-Marie of Get Red PR for also setting up this conversation with us for today. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. And let's go make today amazing. Take care. <laughs>